0: Hello, Octane Nation. It's Coach Dave here. For you first-time listeners, I'm Dave Jimenez. I'm the founder and head coach of Octane Athletics Training Systems, which is a team of coaches focused on helping people form endurance feats they'd never thought possible for themselves. To learn more about us, head out to octane-athletics.com slash coaching. You'll see a profile for all the coaches. You'll also see a link on that page to sign up for a free, no-obligation consultation with one of us. It's quick and easy. All you have to do is fill out that form, give us a little information to work with, And one of the coaches will reach out to you to set up some time on the phone or in person, have a cup
1: of coffee or what have you, to go over your goals and plans, provide you with uh, our guidance and point of view on those goals and your plan, and help to set you on the right course. Take advantage of it. We love doing it, and we wouldn't offer if we didn't want to do it. So go to octaneathletics.com and reach out to us.
0: This and every episode of the podcast is brought to you by Gatorade Endurance. Gatorade Endurance is not your gas station or grocery store Gatorade. It's a special formula for runners and triathletes. It's on course at most of the major marathons that you'll find out there. So Chicago, New York, the Rock and Roll Marathon series, the Dallas Marathon, and the Boston Marathon. You'll also find it on course at all the Ironman races in the United States. So 70.3 races and full distance races. Gatorade Endurance is the hydration sponsor of those races as well. So as coaches, we like to tell our athletes to train with what's on course. So go out and try some Gatorade Endurance. You can do so at GatoradeEndurance.com or go to Octane-Athletics.com. Click on the Amazon link and get your Gatorade Endurance from Amazon, and it drops a couple pennies in our jar on the process. So uh, go out and try some Gatorade Endurance.
1: Hey, everybody. It's Coach Dave. Um, this is a great episode. I- I'm going start out by saying that it-, it took a long time to get this out. Without going into all the gory details, I had this podcast on a hard drive that had failed, and luckily I was able to kind of resurrect the files and patch it together. It actually sounds good. In this episode, uh, Jelene and I talk with, uh, for about the first half of the episode, we talk with an athlete that Jalene coaches named John Femling. He's an ER doctor in New Mexico who uh, did a really interesting race uh, out there called the quad, which includes... Uh, and This is not in the right order, but includes uh, bike, run, snowshoe, and skiing all in one event. And he had done the race before uh, without a coach, and then he had hooked up with Jeline at the Trans Pecos Ultra where they were both doing some volunteer work. Uh, Jeline ended up coaching him, and he had a great result. And uh, I think it's a really great listen, talks about his training and and the race in detail, why he trains, the really interesting way he and Jeline went about scheduling his training with such a a restrictive and unpredictable schedule as an ER doc. It was a really challenging thing for them to get through, and they did a a really fantastic job of making this work, and he had a great result. So. Give that a listen. The second half of the episode, Jelena and I, we take a really. We at one point in the episode we say it, it's a it's kind of a basic review of Training Peaks, but as I listen through it, it, we actually go pretty deep on Training Peaks, which is a tool that we use to collaborate with athletes, deliver their training programs to them, look at results and data and those kinds of things. It's a really really powerful tool and one that we we leverage a lot. Uh, athletes ask us a lot about what some of the metrics and measures look like in Training Peaks. So we talk about uh, all the important ones and some of the, you know, kind of secondary and tertiary metrics that we look at from time to time. We talk about the performance management chart, how to set zones and thresholds, all sorts of things. Get a pad and, and pencil and, and be ready to take some notes because I think there'll be some things in here that you can, you can learn from. Uh, I'll put some interesting things in the show notes. I'll put a spreadsheet that we use to calculate training and racing zones. I'll put a link to uh, an article that I referenced in the podcast that coach Avram wrote uh, about being able to upload your workouts or download your workouts from training peaks to your Garmin so that can help you really nail the execution of your workout. It's a great episode. I'm super proud of it. One of the best ones we've done in my opinion. Um, So I look forward to hearing your feedback on it. You can reach me uh, at all the normal places, Facebook, uh, on the Fuel Your Fire running and triathlon page. You can email me at info at octane-athletics.com. You can also contact any of the coaches at uh, octane-athletics.com and click on the contact us link and you can get to us really quickly. Please do reach out to us. We love getting your questions and answering those. So I, I know that we don't we haven't been podcasting like on a weekly basis or anything, but really, if you help us with some questions uh, and some things that are on your mind, topics you'd like for us to discuss, uh, that gives us more content to uh, to consider and, and put out to the world. So we, we, would, we would welcome that. So without further ado, enjoy the podcast. And uh, when you get a chance, head out to iTunes, rate and view the podcast. It really helps out. Uh, and uh keeps us motivated to keep doing them, which uh sometimes it helpful thing to do. So uh again, thank you very much for listening and enjoy the podcast.
0: With me is Coach Jeline and John Femling Femling because I, I didn't pronounce it correctly a second ago. So John, my apologies. It's not a good start. <laughs> All good. Yeah, sorry. It's probably not the first time that happened, right?
2: Not in not today even.
0: <laughs> yeah, I put I put the L way ahead of that, uh, the E and the M, so sorry about that. All right, so uh, the reason John is here is Jillian and I talked about she was going Albuquerque and she was going to hang out with John as he took on this pretty cool race that it, I think they call the quad. It's uh, What's the official name, John, for this yeah. thing?
2: Most <clears throat> people just refer to it as the quad. Yeah. We don't even put it on Taylor. We're like, hey, dude, are you doing the quad this year? Let's just, if, if you live around here, you know what the race is.
0: And around here, like I said, is Albuquerque, right? So the quad is, uh, let me see if I can get this right. You're biking, you are running, you're snowshoeing. What's the last thing? Cross country skiing. Ski first and then the snowshoe up to the top. That sounds
3: And then you do it in reverse on the way down.
0: Yep.
2: Then snowshoe back down, ski back down, run back down, and then get on your bike, cry a little bit because you're so happy you made it back to the bike (laughs) and then cruise back into town. That sounds pretty cool. How many times have you done this? Uh, This would be the second time. When I come out of my house, either to go to work or out my back door, you can see Mount Taylor from most of Albuquerque. It is this huge mountain that sits, I think it's about 70 miles west of town, but it is the prominent thing that sits on the west horizon. Um, And so like every day it sort of taunts you as like, what, you want a piece of me? Come get it.
0: And you did you went, got it.
2: I did. I did twice.
0: Last year was the first time. And then this year, second, or did you skip a year or something?
2: Nope. Last year was the first. And I went at it with like, I knew it was going to be hard. I had had some friends who'd done it. And so I, I trained with what I knew to be the best training mechanism possible, which was basically go do a bunch of stuff. And I heard somebody mention brick once, so I'm like, okay, I'll Google that. <laughs> um, and that was, and that was my training, right? I survived. I think was the the best way to 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 put my performance last year. But I knew that I could do better.
0: Yeah. What was the what was the readout from last year, or the vital statistics, time wise?
2: Took me uh, seven hours and 17 minutes. I, I tried as hard as I could to get under seven hours. And my my goal going in was not die. That was number one. Um, Number two was to beat one of my colleagues, um, which I did. Um, And then my third goal was to beat another one of my colleagues, which I didn't get ever even close to. There was a lot of funny things that I didn't realize about how slow I was last year compared to this year. Like last year, as I was coming down the run, they were cleaning up one of the transition phases. (laughs) Like they were taking the buses full of the gear and coming down and the people, and I'm like, oh, that must be normal. And when I got to the finish line, like they have this cool little like beer garden and kind of like food truck there. And the place was hopping and a bunch of people hanging out and there's a party scene. I'm like, oh, this must've been going on all day. Um, And it turns out neither of those things were true. (laughs) I just was really, really slow.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. I basically
2: finished in time for the after party.
0: So at least you didn't miss that.
2: Nope. I got there in time for that.
0: All right. So this year you, uh, you hooked up with Jalene and she started coaching you and walk us through what that looked like. Cause I don't, I, I mean, Jalene and I talked a little bit about this. We recorded this part of it, but it's like one of the more fun things about coaching is when somebody hits you with something that you don't do every single day. Like last year I had a guy that did the Leadville 100. And, uh, I've coached cyclists before, obviously, but never somebody trying to do the lead bill 100. And of course that's something I've never done. And so I'm like, all right, well, I got to figure this out. And that's what's, uh, one thing Jeline shared is, well, that was really fun about this is this is something you don't get hit with every day. So, uh,
2: we had, we had worked together on a, a race support doing an uh, ultra marathon. We didn't do the marathon, but we were supporting it. And throughout that week, I saw what people could do um, if they weren't just making up the training plan ahead of time, um, and so like a lot of, of of the week was me just asking Jeline questions like, well, what about this, and how do you do that? And she so, probably got pretty tired of all that. But
3: we were stationed at
2: all
3: the checkpoints, so oh. we had many many hours of a. M question
0: after question yeah so just to not leave the audience out this was the trans ultra right in west texas yep yep yeah which is like a state big huge stage race
2: and and like jolene said we we would have a full day of just kind of I shooting think. the shit and then helping people out as they came by
0: yeah
2: and so these guys are doing marathon and then marathon and then marathon and then everybody else who's supporting the race, you know, like is like, oh, yeah, I, you know, I do Ironmans. And then everybody's like, oh, I do ultras. And, you know, I'm, my only qualification is, you know, I, I had a bag that had some Band-Aids in it. <laughs> no! uh, and, 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 there, and I'm like, and I, and I have a bike. that, that is that cool? Um, and so after that, I was like, OK, clearly I could be doing better than this. And so I, I asked Jolene, I'm like, would, would, would you help me do this race better? Because I did it last year and I knew that I could do it better. And so I said, look, you know, if you just pretend that, that the swim is, you know, uphill skiing and snowshoeing, there's a bike and a run in it, you know, and aside from that, it's probably a decent place to start. And she laughed at me. Um, and then once she realized I was serious, I think there was a moment of like, I'm not sure about this, but. You know, in a fit of craziness, she decided to t- to uh, coach me through it.
0: So, Jaleen, walk walk probably us both because I'm not sure if John knows. Kind of what was step one when you got hit with this? Like, what did you? What was the thought process, and um, how'd you figure out how you're going to take this thing on?
3: Well, okay. The first, honestly, the first thought that came to my mind is like he's he's joking. <laughs> he's joking because what he's leaving out, like he's not talking about right now, so much. Like, yes, he is a doctor, but he is a doctor in emergency medicine. So from a coaching standpoint, you kind of look at that and you're like, what do I do with that? (laughs) Before I even thought about the quad, I was thinking about his lifestyle. And even if he was trying to do a triathlon, how that would work, because I'd never worked with somebody in this field before. And I think I talked with you a little bit about it, Dave.
0: Yeah, we talked. We talked a little bit about it.
3: Yeah. And so just trying to wrap my head around what that would look like as far as trying to get the training and not not even the training itself, but how to how that was going to work. Like when are you going to find time like you're you're working like overnights. What when are you going to get on your bike? Like, how does that work? So um once I kind of agreed to start working with him, um, before we even ramped up quad specific training, there was a learning curve as far as coordinating our schedules and finding a system that worked. And I think it took us maybe about two or three weeks, right, John, to get, to get kind of our system going. And, you know, essentially he sends me like screenshots of his Google calendar, um, two or three months ahead of time.
0: Just got to figure out the rhythm. Yeah. Well, and yeah and and there, like, rhythm.
3: there, There's not, there's not. So, just being able to be flexible and having, knowing where we are in the training cycle and being able to adjust that as needed. Um, So the periodization was super important, and then we just kind of took it day by day. And then when we geared up for quad-specific, so we basically had all of November just to kind of get to know each other and get our schedules straight. And um, December is where we kind of started picking up this quad-specific training, and then um, we had to get creative, not only with scheduling, but how do you assign a TSS for a snowshoe? Like, I mean, what does that look like? So heart rate training became crucial for every single thing we were doing. He was wearing his, his heart rate monitor all the time. His zones were really dialed in. And we were really keeping that on the forefront of, of everything we were doing was based on looking at... How his heart rate was responding, and how we can ramp up even more the next week, and where we were going, and always having a plan. We did cool things like towards the end. I mean, we had to wait for snow because you can't just go out and ski and snowshoe. We had to wait for snow, and he, we had to plan. We had to be flexible with that that part of the training, weather specific. Like, okay, this weekend we're going to put a snowshoe and a ski on for this Saturday if there's snow. If not, you're going to be doing Tabata. Mm. So um, I get
0: cursed out for that one, John. When I give people Tabata, I get cursed <laughs> I out. Deserve it. I may have cursed the Tabata many times as well. Yeah. They work.
3: So we just a lot. We had to build a lot of flexibility into this plan, um, because it was so so weather specific. Like if we can't do it this this way on this day, mm-hmm. this is all our alternative. And that seemed that seemed to work because he has a pretty beautiful performance management chart if i do say so myself that's good it's like pristine like we nailed that ctl (laughs) i was so proud of it like you see the ramp right and then you see the recovery and then you see it ramp up again and then the recovery and we can talk a little bit about that i know we're doing some training stuff at the end but
0: what was the taper
3: i think we did a two-week taper yeah yep do you remember okay but it wasn't much it wasn't much at all he doesn't need a big taper okay it's something that we discovered too so uh he was nursing a bit of an injury. So a lot of the running we had to be really careful with his running. So we supplemented a lot with the bike. So he was on his bike a lot. And there was there was a couple months where you didn't even run at all, right? Like I don't think December yeah,
2: or maybe once, once a week
3: or something. December like that. and it was and it was chill. It's like a chill run.
2: It was um, mostly like, you know, 15 minute brick. Oh yeah. You know, put on your shoes right. and go run.
3: Yeah, but I think December I, you weren't running much at all. So, it's it kind of goes to show that the bike can be used as a really great tool for that kind of recovery and you you don't really lose much fitness cuz he crushed his run.
0: Yeah. That that's it the whole thing screams to me of the fact that you really proved out that training translates like one discipline translates to another discipline because you know you you get weather limitations you know if there are isn't snow you can't ski or snowshoe so to bad as it is and we'll talk about the results in a second because that's kind of the the moral of this whole story which is pretty freaking awesome but what i love is that the thing we get a lot is i'm not running enough i'm not running enough i'm like get on the bike focus on cadence hit as close it. to you can as a 90, 90 RPM cadence, and that training translates to the run, and they they never buy in.
3: See, John's all nodding and smiling because he's like, yeah, yeah, I heard this before. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> no, I mean, I, in
2: fact, I said the same thing. So I was like, shouldn't I be doing something longer? Shouldn't I be, you know, like last last year, this, uh, my, in my head, I, I did a 26-mile yeah, this, bike, and then I did a 6-mile run, like back-to-back, and I'm like, that's what I have to do, like, at a minimum. And I didn't feel like that was enough. And I didn't and I didn't do anything that long as a brick this year. And yet I was much, much better off than I was last so year.
3: One of the cool things that we did with his work schedule is we focus, uh, we do a lot of the high-intensity stuff. So we joke about Tabata, but it is a big part of his training because of his lifestyle. And he's so time crunched and so that's why Mm -hmm. planning his um all of his training on tss instead of hours and time quality over quantity was the main focus of all of this training so i was super impressed
0: so you had a target tss for john on a week-by-week basis Jillian, and then you just loaded in the intensity that you needed to have in there and the time you had to get to that TSS score.
3: Yes, exactly. Every workout had an assigned to TSS. And so when plugging in his weeks, I knew exactly uh, what the plan was for that week. And I could know exactly how quickly I was ramping him up for each week. And then um, for his recovery weeks, when I can dial him back, actually seeing that and he could feel it too. It's, it was awesome. Again, like we said, we had heart rate going the entire time. So we were, we we're all over that.
0: John, clearly, you know, Jolene just took credit for your performance management chart. You you might have had something to do with
3: that. It's beautiful. Not much.
0: <laughs> um, you had to do all the work to get that chart to look that way. So that's pretty. But no, no. Forever. Listen, it's great, oh, Jolene. Okay. you sorry. did. You
3: No. I'm kidding. I just meant it was. It was the be- most beautiful PMC you-, you could see as far as like an example of what it should be is what it looked
0: like. Hey coach, you're awesome. Relax, I'm joking with you. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it was so pretty. I'm going to frame it.
0: John, you know what's great? John, you probably don't know this, but I get to see your stuff because Jalene just made me the assistant and I would just look at stuff because I'm was i super interested in it and yeah, your chart does look pretty pretty damn special it, she did great <laughs> so let's get to the point here Focus. <laughs> okay. you're an emergency doc limited time this non-traditional event with limitations around that like you are completely out of your control in terms of snow and mother nature and all that
3: he had an injury
0: an in injury you're nursing you went seven hours and 17 minutes the first time you did this race what'd you do this year? And tell us about it. I did, I did
2: five hours and 45 minutes. I took over an hour and a half off my time. Not only that, after last year, I was pretty much just useless. My legs didn't work. I just basically came home and, and whimpered for about a week and a half. And this this year, I came back and like the buddies who ran it with me were all like, I can't move. I can't get out of bed. And I'm like, we're going to Santa Fe, and we're you know hiking around today. What are you talking about? Um, I mean, just completely, completely different uh, performances. And you know, we had a we had to talk a little bit about like the bike, just even the first bike. It's a 13 mile. Mostly uphill bike and there was a little bit of strategy. You know, at first Jelene's like, listen, just you know, pace yourself, don't go out too fast. And I sort of responded with this is the only time I'm gonna have any advantage by riding with somebody else. Like the rest of the race I'll just be me, you know, against sort of me with other people, you know, kind of around, but otherwise it's just me. She's like, Well, if you if you think you can, you know, keep up, and you're not going to destroy yourself, then then go. And so, started out the bike with the bunch, and just really tried to stay with the bunch. And I, I pushed maybe a little harder than I think than uh, than coaching would have said to do, um, but I felt great doing it. And not only did I take 22 minutes off just the uphill bike from the beginning, but like all the other guys that I biked with, we all came within about five minutes of finishing. Whereas last time. You know I, they would have had lunch um at the top at the time i got to the top of the bike um, and just that even just that one little segment i already was feeling just super stoked about and then just you know i mean i practiced the transitions last time but even being better at it one of the other guys who's done a lot more triathlons and stuff like that i mean i had my shoes on and was running And he just, this look of like, shit, you're already running as I'm like going by him was this other just beautiful moment of like, yeah, I am. And off I went now he passed me, you know, 10 minutes later because he's just super fast on the run. But I had that moment and it was just, it was beautiful.
0: That's pretty great. Questions just popped in my head that I'm curious about. How'd you handle nutrition throughout the day?
3: I was going to bring
0: that. I'm interested in what you used, what frequency you were eating and drinking, I, I mean, I'm, I'm obviously have no idea how this race is supported. i they have aid stations. I'm positive of that, obviously, but walk us through some of that stuff.
2: Yeah, there, there was definitely some changes. Like last year, I pretty much, I, I took, I had some stuff in transition bags, but otherwise it just depended on what was on the course. Um, and this year I was like, you know what? I'm going to have gels, half full, half caffeine, half well, um, and I'll kind of titrate that as we go. Um, and, you know, simple stuff like Jolene's like tape a gel to your top bar, halfway up the ride, take one, um, you know, that simple task of like, it's there fueled up, help my bike out, you know, in the beginning. Um, and I really tried to kind of every half an hour, at least on the uphill, make sure I was taking a gel, take water on the course. Um, last year at the top, it was beautiful. They had, you know, like, uh, boiled potatoes that were salted it was great this year it was like 30 mile an hour winds freezing cold <laughs> i got to the top i'm like f this turn around and down the hill i went
3: um, and second. then there's a
2: very important yeah. aid station there there you go, yeah. there you go. So, so the snowshoe has a little bit of a flat part uh and then it's a lollipop and at that where that stem meets the lollipop are three dudes and when you get there, they got a little card table, and they're like, "You want Jose?"
0: Oh, I like where this is going. <laughs> you want
2: Jack, or do you want Jim? So on the way up, I'm like, "Hold that thought." Run up to the top, come back down, and I'm like, "I'll take a shot of Jack," and it kicks in by the time you get to the ski. And so the downhill ski, you're feeling way better about it because you, mm-hmm. you know that you had that little bit of little bit of energy that comes in from the alcohol, a little bit of looseness for the, the this downhill ski. feet.
3: For, yeah, for the record, he's
0: well, as the country song says, Jack Daniels, if you please.
3: He's taking Jack at 11,000 feet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly.
2: No, it's and it's just Jack you know it's one of those kind him. of race quirks that it just hilarious <laughs> yeah i think last year they had fireball that's just seemed like a bad idea but you know no
0: teach their own well it worked right absolutely it worked so what was a big learning i mean aside from the training stuff but any anything that you took from the race that should be factored into next year if you're going to go do it again
2: yeah i think the bike was huge it translated so well to everything else um, just from a fitness standpoint i think the snowshoe you know, I got a little bit of that last year and I think this year just being in all like last year was just get through it. This year I realized that's probably the the part I, I need to figure out a way to work better. Cause it's a different way of running. It's a different cadence. It's a different putting your feet in a different way. Um, and I was better for sure. Uh, but that, that I felt was like still the kind of weakest link, but everything else was so much better. And, and there was only one thing that Jelene said that I didn't do and I regret terribly not listening to her. Um but I have a little asthma. I, I have my inhaler. Oh um, mm-hmm. and, and I took it like and and last year I just I didn't really <laughs> think about it, but I had it with me and I took it too late and I kinda missed a window. This year, Jolene's like, tape it to your race belt. Well, first off, I didn't have a race belt. So I did get a race belt, which was a good thing. And I was like, tape it. I don't know what you're talking about. I'll put it in this little pocket thing. Well, I lost it oh, no. on the uphill ski because I didn't tape the damn thing to my race belt. <laughs> um, so I did fine. I could have done better uh, if I just paid a little bit more attention to what Coach said. Well. I don't
0: know.
3: You did great. That was super impressive
0: what'd you learn Jeline?
3: i learned a lot about scheduling just the planning and the um different ways to just creative ways to work training into a crazy busy lifestyle what workouts were key workouts what what were the most important ones and what were the ones that we could let go you know if you look at john's training it's it's all green and if something came up and he couldn't get something done, there would be a little bit of, um, there'd be a little bit of a freak out about it. Not like a huge freak out, but like a, hey, he he was super goal oriented. He knew what his TSS needed to be every single week, and he was determined. He's like, I am not at 40 this week. This is gonna happen. Like I, like what do I need to do to get? This? I'm like, you're cool. Like you've been sick let me worry about, you know, getting this in for the following week. And I I learned that it's working with an athlete who is interested in what their numbers are supposed to be is much more fun for me than just trying to work it out on my own. So like having him be super engaged with the process made it even more special. Like this, this whole journey of is, it just made it more enjoyable than, I mean, and I love working out training plans for Ironman and, you know, you just kind of pump it out week to week and you, you know, you get a text message from your athlete maybe once every two weeks or something like, Hey, I'm alive. You're good to go. That's fine. And that's awesome. And that's super low maintenance, but being able to work with the athlete, especially when they want to be all up in the business too, is it it makes it really fun from my side. That was, that was kind of surprising because I would assume that, you know, And athletes messing around with numbers and, you know, things can start snowballing really quickly.
0: Yeah. Depends on the person, depends on the personality for sure. But I, I, the collaboration we've talked about, you and I have talked about this so many times. It's so important. It's like, and it is a two way street. It sounds like you guys had a pretty beautiful blend of, you know, John reaching out to you, you reaching out to John, you know, that collaboration thing is important. You know, sometimes it's, it's messy or, or there's just, you have to kind of, you, you're going to pry information from my, you know, dead hands kind of thing. It's like, just, just tell me what's up, you know, you put a note in training peaks or send me an email or smoke signal or however you want to do it. But uh sounds like you guys had that nailed and you had, you had to, I mean, Jaleen, you, you know, what I just heard you say is you had to be on your toes just like, John had to be on his to get the work done to make sure it all got done.
3: Well, another thing that was cool is that he, and this is great from a a coaching standpoint too, having an athlete like this, anything I put in his training peaks, any workout, he had to know why why it was there. Why am I doing this? What is this benefiting me? Explain to me how this is going to make me better at the quad. And um, I had to be ready to have an answer. So every time I was planning out his weeks, I... I use this word a lot. Like I had to be super intentional with every single thing that showed up on there. Every single word, every number had to be spot on. I mean, he's a data guy. Like that's what he does. And I needed to make sure that I had my shit together. So
0: that's good. Yeah. All right. So John, I do have one question. So I have two questions. I just lied to you. Maybe <laughs> I probably have more than that. Forget what I just screw it. <laughs> okay. Biggest question. One of the, one of the questions I have for you is so Jalene wanted me to ask this cause I'm, I'm, so now I'm super curious. Why do you, why do you want to train? Like, why do you train?
2: So today was a, a perfect example of this.
3: And that's why I wanted him to ask.
2: Yeah. So yes. the the quad is, is a, is a cool race. You know, like I said, every day I see this mountain on my, on my, on my horizon. But the biggest thing is, is it's a, it's a race that has skiing. It's got snowshoeing. It's got biking. It's got running. <laughs> I work with a lot of people who, um, literally last night, text me and say, "Hey, let's go mountain biking in Placidus. You got time tomorrow?" And that's what I wanted. That's why I trained. Like They're that was crazy. 100% it. It was like I I have these guys that like at seven o'clock at night go, "Dude, it's a full moon. Let's go run in the foothills," or "Hey man, I've got you know a morning tomorrow. Let's go skin up you know Sandia or whatever." And I, I don't. I want to go and I want to have fun and I want to be able to do that, you know, the next day. I don't want to be like, oh, I'm going to be sucking it up or crying or not even get the text. And like today was a perfect example of that. Like got the text last night. Let's go mountain biking for a couple hours in the foothills and off to the races we went. And and I felt great. It wasn't like, you know, it was a big stress. I now have this stuff just sitting in the back of my truck because these are the people I work with, Um, just have crazy schedules. And, you know, Thursday morning is the day that we can go for a bike ride. And this worked perfectly. Like today was the perfect example of, you know, one of the guys that was there is like a semi pro mountain biker. Um, And he certainly waited for us a bit. But, you know, it was we still kept up. We were still riding with him. And I was not the guy in the back. Um and it was perfect. Yeah. And I feel great today, right? I still I feel great afterwards as well. That's why I trained. That's why I did the quad because it's all over the place. And if you've done that, then when your buddy calls you up and says, Hey, let's go do whatever it is, you're pretty much ready to go. Yeah,
0: that's good. It's you know, just being able to is a big damn deal. That's that's great. And they love the inclusion thing. Like, you know, you don't want to be the guy that doesn't get the call, right? So that's, that's really cool. All right. So, uh, you can do the quad again next year.
2: I think so. I mean, it's just, it's a cool race. Um, and, and my department actually has a, a small history of having people going and doing it It's a kind of a friendly competition between, you know, the, the residents and the docs and the attendings. Um, and one of our residents completely smoked all of us this year. Um, but it's just this, cool thing where we go out and do it. And I had this great picture of like the four of us from our department that did it. Um, And it just, it was awesome. And again, that, that that highlights like, you know, why do I want to do it again next year? Can I be faster? Sure. But that's not why I want to do it again. I want to go and I want to hang out with the same guys and I want to train and I want to be ready for whatever. And, you know, skiing for it, snowshoeing for it, doing the bike, you know, except for the, you know, 11 p.m. Tabatas, <laughs> the rest of it was pretty
0: fun. Yeah, I just I feel I feel your pain on the Tabatas. You know, you could have
3: done an 11 p.m. like two hour spin. You're so just let's have a little perspective here. Yeah,
0: buddy. that's true. That's true. You got done in you got done in 34 minutes. What it took it would say TSS would take me two hours to get to So, yeah, it's, exactly. it's definitely a trade off. <laughs> I actually punished myself last week and I missed a swim. Uh, cause I, you know, I admittedly didn't get my ass up out of bed. Um, and I just ran out of day and I get home, it's like nine fifteen, And, uh, I'm like, well, Tabata's on the bike. It is. And so, <laughs> yeah, I, I, then, you know, then this week <laughs> I haven't missed a swim once. It's, it's amazing <laughs> what, uh, what Tabata's a little punishment Tabata will do for you.
3: Tabata penance. <laughs> Penalty to Bob. Yes,
0: that's what I it think,
2: was. I think there was one that actually like was so late in the day, it crossed over midnight. Awesome.
3: So it showed up that's twice the, on this Training so peak. It Showed up on two different days. Yeah, yeah.
0: That's great. Want to let Training Peaks know about that? How do you solve this? You broke Training Peaks. <laughs> that's awesome, John. Well, man, um, what about? Okay, last question. Anything else this year? Or, you're just going to do Thursday morning bikes, runs, rides, whatever you get text messaged about.
2: No, I, I think the other thing that, that was key and that really after, after the that TPE race that we did, like I came home and I signed up for the quad um, and I signed up for a marathon in June. Um, and again, just having that like hard deadline with a big goal, kind of put everything else into a framework. Um, and then made it easier so that, you know, it's always hard to kind of be ready for something that may or may not happen. Um, but preparing for something that's a hard deadline makes it. So I'm always ready for whatever's going to come up
3: next. Yep. Register for raises. You got to train.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Tell me about it. I know exactly what you're talking about. It's the reason Boulder 70.3 is on my schedule. Cause if not for that. I may not do anything and not doing anything is a really bad idea for everyone, but especially for me.
3: So I think that we're talking about doing the Boulder 70 points free as a relay. John's yeah. going to be riding it. Um, I think I'm going to swim. I think we have another friend who's going to be doing the, the run. Beautiful. Um, yeah. And that's going to be awesome. Beautiful. I think we're going to go a couple of days ahead of time for that endurance summit acclimatize.
0: Mm-hmm there? i'm gonna try i I still haven't talked to the boss about the training peaks you summit just
3: explain
0: i don't i just need to i just she knows and I, I we talked about this last time i have the best wife on the planet maybe well i love your wife Raghu might, might debate that with me but um all i have to do is probably chat with her about it and it's not like i'm leaving her stranded in. Des Moines, like we're going to Boulder. She can figure out stuff to do. (laughs) There's
3: there's some stuff to do in Boulder. She'll be fine.
0: So we'll figure it out. Uh, All right, cool. So, uh, John, uh, you have an option here. You can hang out with us and... And, and, and learn about training peaks. Cause that's what we're going to talk about here.
3: He has thoughts about training peaks
0: for a little while, or, uh, you can drop, but I'd love to have you hang around and get your real time questions answered. If you have the time to stick around, but.
2: Oh, I'll stick around for a while I do you know again the, the schedule thing yeah um, I do have to take the boys out for dinner catch a nap and I'm working the overnight tonight but I do have a little bit of time to, to listen to some uh, some training peaks and I love the data stuff
0: beautiful you drop when you need to sound good <laughs> All right. Hey coach. Yeah. One thing we talked about last time is kind of going through training peaks and we decided it was like a full kind of segment slash episode. And what I thought we'd do today is just kind of start with the, the the, probably the most popular questions that I get from, especially newer athletes is what do all these acronyms mean and what do they, how do I use them? And so I just thought we'd kind of clear up the mystery of things like, uh, what TSS and IF and EF and XYZ and whatever else. Right. So, um, just kind of 101 level stuff. You, you cool with that? Yes.
3: Yeah. I, yeah. Hit it.
0: So first of all, if you're training and you're not using training peaks, I think you're doing yourself an injustice. I think training peaks, uh, first of all, if you're an athlete, it's free. So there's really no reason not to use it. I mean, you can sign up for the premium and I certainly would recommend doing that, especially if you're a data geek like John is. You get advanced metrics and all that. And I'm not here to sell training peaks, but I will say, I just, I do think that uh, I've trained without it. When I first started with a coach, he was an Excel, gone old school, give me my plan via Excel every week. And the review of my data was him going into Garmin manually and looking at it. And there wasn't, you know, there wasn't really any metrics there that, gave him any intelligence, and training peaks really helps where that's concerned, so Julian, what I thought we'd start with is how you know you talked a lot about with John's training how important it was that you had heart rate as a metric for everything he was doing uh, and we'll talk about why that's important in a second, but uh the one of the first things you said is his zones were really dialed in. And I I don't know about you, but I think, like I said, without training peaks, you can only be so good without training peaks and some fundamental metrics that you need to have in there to really turn on and turn up all that intelligence that it gives you is really important. And one of those things is the notion, this notion of threshold. For those of you that don't understand what threshold is really simply put, and, and you, you can go and read all about this on you know, trainingpeaks.com on the blog. You can basically Google Joe Freeland threshold and learn everything you want to learn. Threshold essentially is the level of effort you can maintain over one hour. So on the bike, it's usually, if on the bike there's a threshold heart rate, if you don't have a power meter on your bike, which many people don't, you don't have to have one. Although um, if Jolene's going to get one sooner or later.
3: I'm, Because, you know, I had um, some very nice people reach out to me Mm -hmm. after listening to the podcast. Thank you, people, saying, hey, um, we can hook you up with a power meter when you're ready. Just talk to us.
0: Yeah, that that Coach Stearns is a good guy.
3: He is a good guy, Coach Stearns.
0: I heard all about that. So, yeah, yeah, he and I chat last week. We're going to talk. Lots of stuff, but that was one of them. So, on the bike, it could be measured in heart rate via uh, a heart rate threshold, which is just your average heart rate over the course of that period of time.
3: I want to talk a little bit about, there's confusion about heart rate threshold and max heart rate. And can you talk a little bit about the difference between those? Yes. Because there's, there's they're different when you're setting up the zones.
0: 100% different. Yes. Threshold heart rate is the average heart rate over the course of a one-hour effort. Max heart rate is usually around 20 to 25 beats higher than that. Um, but it is literally the point at which you cannot sustain doing whatever you're doing for any finite period of time. So right. if my threshold heart rate, on the run is 160, which probably is pretty close to that, then my max heart rate on the run is going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of 185. Now, does that mean I can't go higher than that? No, it doesn't mean that. But you don't want to be playing around in that red zone for for too long. So there is a difference between the two.
3: Right. Good. I, I get asked about that all the time.
0: Yeah. So threshold, again, threshold on the bike measured in heart rate if you're without a power meter if you have a power meter we measure that with a term that you've an acronym is ftp or functional threshold power which is one of the most important measures of effort on the bike it, it's not the most important measure of effort because in my opinion if you really want to know if you're getting any better use that uh use that number and figure out what your watts per kilogram is that to me is a better metric of how you're improving on the bike, but FTP is super important for setting wattage-based or power-based zones.
3: I think doesn't um, Trainer Road give you virtual FTP as well, right? So if you don't know FTP, you can jump on Trainer Road and, and kind of get that squared away.
0: <clears throat> yeah, Ben Bayes, uh, one of the guys I've been working with for a couple of years now. He didn't have a power meter for a long time, but he has been. He was an early adopter of Trainer Road.
3: He was a
0: trainer road. Uh, oh, he's a ninja. Yeah, for sure. He took all of the uh, workouts that I'd give him over time, and he used the trainer road. That, that workout repository we have, the the Octane one, that's mostly Ben's work. Good
3: job, Ben. Oh, I see his name everywhere, all over
0: it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great point, Jelena, in that if you don't have a power meter, but if you have a just a regular trainer and, and trainer road, you can actually get a virtual FTP number. And it is it is pretty magnificently close to... What you'll actually get from a from a from a power meter, so that's a great point. On the run, it's measured in pace and in heart rate. Again, uh, average heart rate over that period of time gives you your threshold heart rate, and the pace over that period of time it can be also set in the zones. Mm-hmm. The danger with using pace as your primary mechanism for training with with zones is that. It doesn't take into consideration the elements. So if you live in, for example, Texas or Albuquerque, where John lives in the summertime.
3: Well, John just actually took a, a threshold test on Monday. Mm. So there was some bad language after that. <laughs>
0: those <laughs> aren't fun. Those are, those are not fun. If you're going out in the summer for a run, for example, and you're, you're, say, you're going to use your threshold pace and your coach says run zone two... And you run zone two in the summertime, it's going to be, uh, you're not going to be getting the same training effectiveness as if you went by your heart rate, because your heart te- heart rate tells you how your body is responding to uh, topology like hills or heat uh, and so forth. And as Dr. John will tell you, your body, your heart rate will respond to all of those different things, especially heat.
3: Nutrition, hydration. Mm-hmm
0: electrolytes all of those things so again run heart rate and pace heart rate should absolutely be your primary measure there on the swim you can get it if if you're so inclined i actually bought one of those uh i finally gave in and gave garmin 129 and got one of those
3: talk to me about that i need a new one and i was thinking about is it the swim one or the tribe
0: I bought the try one, which is essentially the same deal, but I'm actually going to use it for the first time uh, after we're done podcasting tonight. So I'll I'll let you know how it goes. Okay. Here's
3: here's my question about that. What I understand the benefits of having swim training zones and seeing what your heart rate is when you're swimming, but you can't monitor yourself when Mm -hmm. you're actually swimming You can't look at your watch and say, oh, I'm swimming in zone two. It's only like after the fact that you can get this data, right? So how would you implement these swim zones in an actual workout?
0: That's a great question. And you just nailed why it took me a year before I bought one. I still think, you know, I bought it mostly, you know, I'm a bit of a gadget guy. I'm like, okay, well, let me give in and cave and do this. Because I'm mostly just, I'm curious what my heart rate looks like when I'm doing you know, different levels of effort on the swim. But yeah. to your point, it's not like my Garmin is going to tell me while I'm swimming what my heart rate is, right? It doesn't. The way this thing works is it stores your heart rate while you're swimming, and then when you upload your workout, um, it will then uh, transmit what the heart rate was over the course of the workout. So it's not it's not real time yet. The technology is not there yet. So. To your point, I, I I still I still get as you know because you get my swim workouts. I still give my swim workouts in levels in R basically an RPE. You know, I want you to do four by one hundred hard. Well, now I'll know personally. I'll know what four by one hundred hard kind of looks like. But it's not like I could use that in the next workout. With that said, you can set a threshold pace for the. I was going to for the swim and it's usually the way that that's text. I'll talk about the way to test for this stuff in a second. And Jillian, you can chime in there too, but on the swim, it's just a hundred meter time or a yard time trial. And that's how you set those zones is that's the easiest of all the tests is the swim one, the the bike and the run are not fun as John can attest to. Uh, Do you want to talk about those tests? Jillian? I've talked a lot.
3: So the tests, well, John can jump in too, it's, it's about an hour with 15, 20-minute 15, warm-up and then a 30-minute time trial. And the last 20 minutes of that time trial, we're going to take your average heart rate. And uh, after that, 20, that time trial, we've got to cool down, and that's just to make you comfortable and cool you down so you don't pass out when you get off. This time trial is... Is all out. It's as hard as you can go um, for the entire time. For the run, it's for 30 full minutes. Um, so we're not just looking for a mileage. We need the full 30 minutes. Uh, if you stop before then, uh, your coach is going to get mad and make you do it again the next week. We need to run hard for the full 30 minutes. We're going to take the last 20 minutes of that time trial and find the average heart rate. And that's going to be your heart rate threshold. And that's what we're going to base all of your zones on. Zones one, two, three, four, and five—they're all based on a percentage of that number. So let's say your your run heart rate threshold is uh, 185. Your zone five would, and 185, and um, everything below that. Would, Zone four, zone three, zone two would be your aerobic. All your easy stuff would be done. It, that'd probably hang out maybe around 140. I don't have the actual percentages in the top of my head right now, but I do need to pull those uh, stuff.
0: Yeah, I can. Um, I'm open I'm open in the sheet, so I can give them. So, yeah.
3: Okay. Yeah. Um, and then all your training is based on those heart rate zones. So when you get a workout, your coach is like 45 minutes, heart rate zone two, and don't go any higher. That's that's for a purpose. Um, it's going to feel slow, but it's intentional. Um, and all the training after that is going to be based on all these heart rate zones. Uh, same thing for the bike. Uh, the bike uh, zones tend to be a little bit uh, lower than your run zones. They are not equal, and they do change about every four to six weeks. So when I think that's, you see
2: me, that's the biggest surprise, what's that? That just that how quickly they changed,
3: mm-hmm. um, especially when you're doing training and zone specific training, your zones will change quickly. But yeah, and,
2: and like we we had this where it, it there was a gap in where I could I was watching the injury in my foot, and so we didn't want to we didn't want to do that test because it's kind of a crispy yeah. hard to do test. Right. Um, so throughout near the near the time it came to do the quad. We would do a run, and my heart rate zones were all off.
3: All over. I mean, you,
2: could, you could just tell, like just yeah. You know, I was trying to get to to what used to be the normal heart rate zone for a run, and it just I couldn't get there yeah. without feeling absolutely miserable. Right. Uh, anyways, because I had, I had adapted and changed.
3: You were so much more fit at that point, but in this particular case, I wasn't going to retest you because those tests are they take a lot out of you and I I wasn't ready to risk injury for all the work that we've done just to have you tap out, you know, two weeks before this race. And so we just, uh, did the rest of his run workouts with, um, RPE, which is also a a nice alternative.
0: That's a great way to do it. So, um, I will put this in the show notes, but just to kind of run through them, uh, on the run, heart rate zone one is 66 to 85% of the threshold number. Uh, aerobic zone two is 85 to 91 uh, zone three is your kind of tempo zone 91 to 95 the zone four is sort of you know up tempo kind of threshold work which is 96 to 99 so right up uh, two threshold and then zone five they call the vo2 max which is from 100 to 110, and you do that in, like, sprint and hill intervals and a bunch of anaerobic work. On the bike, it's different, so don't use the same percentages. On the bike, it's uh, zone 1 is 65 to 83. Zone 2, again, aerobic, 83 to 89. Uh, Zone 3, 89 to 93. Zone 4, 94 to 99, and then zone 5 is 100 up, but 100 to 110 is kind of what I use in my my tool to uh, put it together. The other way to get to these zones to Jalene is do blood lactate threshold testing, which is something that I do for local athletes. What Jalene just talked through is the field test, which is a fantastic way to get it. If you don't have somebody who's a practitioner of these tests and can, can do that for you. Uh, usually if you live in a you know, relatively big market or city, there'll be somebody in town that does these tests, test your run shops uh, or triathlon or multi-sport shops. And they typically have somebody, if you remember lifetime fitness, they can also do them there. They use uh, a different method, but they can get you zones that way too. Uh, all right. So zones, uh, that was a long way to get around the fact that you need the data for, for everything else in training peaks to be meaningful to you. You
3: need this- for all the other metrics and training peaks.
0: Training peaks does a good job of maintaining your thresholds. And there's a a feature in there that allows you to allow training peaks to automatically, as I call it, update your zones. I turn this off for my athletes. Uh, I don't like training peaks messing with the zones automatically without me knowing about it.
3: I don't know if I'm aware of that. Um, Talk to me a little bit. I get the notifications about the thresholds. Is that, is that something different? The threshold notification changes. Yeah,
0: if you go to settings on your athlete, Chalene, and you scroll all the way down to the bottom,
3: yeah,
0: it'll say you have three different choices there. One is to allow um, notify you as a coach, notify the athlete, or you can turn both of them on. I turn notify the athlete off usually because it'll just hey, what does this mean? is is a very popular question when they get that email, they get concerned. I turn that on for me. So I'll get that email when it changes. And then there's another box, a fourth yeah. choice there to uh, allow training piece to keep it, to update it automatically. I turn that off as well and because I'm doing, okay. I'm doing these field tests uh, through, during the season, especially I try to do them every four to six weeks for an athlete. So I'm taking that and I'm plugging it into my tool and, and I do it that way just for consistency's sake. I don't want to I want to get I want t- the data to be the same every time I change the zones. I want it to be based upon the same kind of thing every time I change the zones. If I'm part of the time using lactate threshold testing and then part of the time letting training peaks automatically change it all, it's it, it's not consi- it's inconsistent and I try to eliminate any inconsistencies from my interactions with the athletes. I just found it it's just a smart thing to do. So I turn the automatic thing off. Sure. If if you're an athlete just working with training peaks on your own and you don't have a coach, you may want to leave it on. It's fine. Um, here's how it works, though. So if you have a power meter, it will change automatically change the, the zones for power. If it notices that your 60-minute uh, peak normalized power, which I'm going to talk about in a minute, or your 95%... Of peak 20 minute average power is greater than what's currently in the threshold setting. I know that's a lot.
3: That was a lot. You got a sesame sink vapor up.
0: If your, let's say your FTP is 150, right? So your functional threshold power is 150. So that's your threshold okay. and power in the power unit of measure. If you ride the bike for an hour and a half, 15 minute, warm up one hour ride of some kind and a 15 minute cool down. If during that hour, for example, in the middle, your peak, your normalized power, the the amount of, basically the average power over that period of time is greater than your current threshold number. Then it's going to update it, right? Cause basically you, you just proved to training peaks, that you can you can ride an hour longer than or harder than you did before,
3: right? And so that's what on uh, your performance management chart, all those little dots, yep, are all your peaks, right? Like those little scatters and all the dots everywhere mm-hmm. um, that look a little crazy, look like sprinkles. Those are your peaks.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, if you yep. if you hover over those, it gives you those metrics. It'll automatically change your heart rate on the run. It for in basically the same scenario. If you go out for an hour and a half run, 15 minute warm up, 60 minute run, 15 minute cool down. That middle 60 minutes, your heart rate threshold is higher than it's currently set in Training Peaks. Training Peaks will update it. It'll also take a 20. You know, if you get a peak of, you know, 95 percent of the 20 minute max is exceeded, then it'll change that too. It'll do the same thing with with pace. It uses 45 minute average pace is different than the threshold. And faster it will change it so that's the automatic thing on threshold so what we talked about so far is setting zones based on threshold and we talked about training peaks having this feature to automatic call it I call it automagically uh, to change the threshold based on the data that that you load into it uh, via your workouts
3: yeah I didn't know about that I I got the notifications and I basically just knew that it was time to retest but um I do not know that we could, um, that they had the option to do it automatically.
0: Yeah. It's actually, you, you just made a good point. So when I get those notifications, that's, then I know for a fact, like that's, uh, it'll so it serves as sort of a, a little bit of a reminder for me as a coach. It's like, okay, well, let me go back and see when the last time we did a, a field test. If it's been four weeks, I throw it on there. Great. All right. So then you're going to let's let's talk a little bit about the specific metrics that you get when you finish a workout. Make sense? Mm -hmm. Let's talk about this notion. I just mentioned it a second ago, the notion of normalized power or normalized graded pace. Kind of the same thing. Normalized power is the bike metric using power. Uh, Normalized graded pace is either the bike or the run when the bike without power or run, obviously, via pace. The normalized power number, uh, athletes get confused by it quite a bit. And what it essentially is, is it's basically a 30-second average power number or 30-second average pace number that takes any surges of effort into consideration. So on the bike, it'll take into consideration average when dealing with hills or when dealing with whether they're uphill or downhill, for example. And so it's a it's a better variant from average power. When I give my athletes with power right. a race plan, I always give them a normalized power number to hit on the bike because that is a very precise unit of measure to use to get regulating your effort. Okay. Again, for the run, if it's normalized graded pace, you'll see that in... In training peaks, on your run workouts, that's taking things like hills into consideration, again, to give you a pace. Again, the word normalized means that it basically takes it and gives you a pace as if the course was perfectly flat, right? So you get a little extra credit for dealing with the hills. It's kind of the way I think about it. Then there's a, the, a very key thing that we just talked to John a lot about, which is TSS. I'll, Jillian, I'll come back to IF in a second. No,
3: it's um, the
0: TSS is, to me, sort of one of the holy grail units of measure in training peaks. You just heard that John did his quad training almost purely on TSS. TSS stands for training stress score. It's the score that's assigned to every workout that kind of lets you know how hard or how stressful or intense the workout was. Yeah. It's using your intensity factor, which is a unit that I'll talk about in a second, and the duration of the workout to give you that score. So that's, how, that's the inputs to the training stress score. TSS in and of itself is based on power. It's kind of a, as I understand it, the genesis of this really comes from the pro cycling circuit. So TSS, if you see that on its own, it's kind of uh, based on power. RTSS, which is, which is what will show up when on a run workout, as you might imagine, is for run. That's why it's RTSS. STSS is for pace for swim. Uh-huh. And then there's also going to, you sometimes will see a heart rate one which is HR TSS. I think that one's pretty self-explanatory and makes sense. So Jolene, we just talked about FTP and thresholds and updating zones and normalized power, normalized graded pace, training stress score. And now uh, we said training stress scores calculated by two things the duration of the workout and the intensity factor. Sure.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: intensity factor is how intense the workout was compared to the threshold. This is also a super good number for race effort planning, like I will, when I plan somebody's somebody's race out, I will figure this out. I'll figure out level of effort on the bike and the run. Sometimes based upon what the intensity factor I want to apply to that particular, particular discipline. Um, pros, for example, will have a high, will race at a higher IF than us mortals will. So that's how that works. It's it's calculated based on the normalized power or the normalized graded pace, uh, divided by the FTP or the threshold pace. One hour of all out effort equals 1.0 intensity factor. Right.
3: That concept was super important when planning and trying to assign a TSS for the snowshoe or the ski. And I, I feel like I got very good at estimating TSS when it wasn't something that training peaks could use their fancy algorithm to estimate. And so, mm-hmm. in in general, you could assume that a one hour zone three run would be about a, a 60 TSS, which is about a .85 yep. um, intensity factor. Like a 60 TSS is equal to about 60 minutes of running in a zone three, which would be about a .85 or so Intensity factor. Am I, am I tracking? You agree?
0: Oh yes, 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 yes.
3: Zone two would be maybe be like 0. 0.65 to
0: 0. 0.75. Yeah, lower. Uh, mm-hmm. For
3: about a 60 minute.
0: In long course triathlon, for example, you know I always tell people to regulate their effort on the bike because whatever, if they if they over modulate and they ride too hard, they're robbing the run, and all they're really doing is they're pushing past. The intensity factor that I wanted them to ride the bike on, so I may give them to give them a heart rate to, 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 to take on or a normalized power number to take on, but that is derived by really by figuring out what I, what the intensity factor is that I want them to ride the bike at, for example,
3: which is usually spot on to your prescribed heart rate zone. For that particular ride, give or take weather conditions and mm-hmm. a, a little bit, but yeah, we all fit together. That's
0: why you need a power meter, because then you go by power. Uh,
3: then more data, all the data.
0: I'm plugging, I'm plugging your effort to get a power meter here.
3: It's happening.
0: All right. So then earlier in the podcast, Jelene talked about John's performance management chart, which...
3: We love performance management charts.
0: It's It's awesome. Uh, and it, the biggest reason that we use the biggest reason I use it, I won't speak for Jelena, I'll let her speak for herself, but I believe this is, she uses it for this as well, is I get in there to really dig into an athlete's, uh, fatigue, right. And, and figure out how worn out they are. And there's some units of measure in there that kind of give you a readout on that. So. I'll let you kind of chat through those, Jalene.
3: The biggest reason I use a performance management chart, it's also called the PMC, is because it gives me a story of not only just where my athlete is now, but where they've been. So I can see their progression. And because most of the time coaches plan ahead, it'll give us an idea of where they will be come race day, which helps us plan out. Their TSS for the week and their builds, so we know exactly they're they're not building too fast, and so we can keep them safe. So the biggest thing that I look at is the fatigue as well. Um, and you can see when they race that their fatigue will shoot up. What training peaks calls fatigue, they refer to as acute training load. And if you look at your performance management chart, that's the pink line. And most of the time that's gonna be on top of everything else if you're in a big training cycle that's going to be higher than all the blues and all the yellows and everything else it's and it's supposed to be that way mm-hmm. okay we're loading you up it's supposed to be that way and when you head into a race you're going to see that slowly drop and you're going to see this yellow line come up and they're going to reverse and that yellow line is your form um otherwise known as your training stress balance the tsb And that's that yellow line, and that tells you how race-ready you are, how fresh you are, and it kind of gives you an idea of how you're going to feel going into race day. So as you get towards race day, your coach puts you in, you know, a couple weeks' taper. You're going to see those lines drop. You're going to see the fatigue drop. You're going to see the form raise. They're going to switch, and you might see a tiny bit of fitness drop, but your fatigue is going to drop much faster than the actual fitness. So your peak week is actually several weeks before your race. That's going to be your highest fitness. And you're going to drop just a tiny couple of points, which is intentional. All right. But your fatigue is going to drop a lot faster than that fitness. And your form is going to, you're going to go into that race feeling fresh. Do you agree?
0: I do agree. A couple additional points I'll make on this. So acute training load, what that's really doing, that number represents is, the, the accumulated amount of stress you have over the course of a very short period of time, seven days. Then there's another number there called chronic training load, which is a CTL, which is almost, it's right next to the acute. Chronic training load, as the name might imply, is over a longer period of time. So it has an a, weight, a ex- exponentially weighted average over the course of 42 days. So if you're training, for example, let's talk. Let's take the taper. What we're doing during the taper is we're we're taking we're bringing the CTL down. We're bringing your training stress balance in line to try to get your form number to as close to perfect as we can, right? And
3: what is what's perfect? What's the perfect number for you?
0: Not negative, and not too positive. If it's too positive, then you tapered too much. You've lost fitness.
3: What's too positive? to you anything over 10 positive 10 except like negative 5 like positive 15 is like the sweet spot what other coaches
0: yeah it depends on the athlete right and so if it's a if it's an athlete that's really trying to do something special i'm trying Mm -hmm. to get them as close to like zero to five as i can if it's a first time ironman athlete um I I'll give myself a larger broader range. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, totally. But always a positive number. Mm-hmm. But if if I have a first time Ironman and their yeah. form number is yeah. like a 10, mm-hmm. I don't get too nervous. Like they're still going to do great. Like they're just a little over tapered. Gotcha. But we try to get we try to get really low number, a really low positive number on the form number. One last point on this is and this is really important to you athletes out there. Uh, coaches know this. I hope they know this. You can only bring an athlete into form so many times in a given year. I think I said this in the last podcast that came up somehow, but um, twice a year for most people.
3: So these would be talking about the athletes, a races
0: mm-hmm.
3: or their, their priority racing.
0: Right. So the thing that I'll push back, I'll get here is what about pros? Well, you're not a pro they're never tapered unless it gets to the end of the year and they go into Kona, they'll take weeks off and then they'll do some training and then they'll, it's pros are completely different animals, literally. So uh, I know uh, what I want you guys to understand is there's a reason there's the, it's called an a race and you can only have a certain number of a races every year. Right. And and that's because you you will accumulate too much fatigue you'll break down if you you know keep training too much and we as coaches can only bring you into form with enough time and with a, the right methods and we can't just can't just do that whenever we feel like it we can't buy time yet sort no of time machine <clears throat> so know that one, a race a year, two at the most, especially like, for example, I have Andre right now who's doing uh, Ironman Texas Olympics and then Ironman Florida in November. He's going to be fine. Right. Cause I'm going to, I'm going to have plenty of time to rest him to fire him back up to train for Florida. That's coming in November.
3: Nice. Go Andre.
0: Yes. Go Andre. There's some other metrics. These are ones that I don't, used as often but they're interesting at times the variability index is one that's kind of interesting it's for power pretty much only and it's basically a measure of how variable or how steady a workout is for example a time trial is a really steady level of effort right you're basically going hard the entire time or century rides pretty steady level effort things like mountain bike races trail runs crits road races those are uh, high variability races so you know again it's measured on a kind of one point scale so a very steady variability index is 1.0 and then you get percentages of that that give you different things i almost never use this i've i really literally only looked at this personally and maybe this is not good Maybe I should use it more, but I only really used it when I was working with uh, Trevor on the Leadville and he was doing all, all bike training and
3: Well, we've something that's super cool. One of the metrics that we use a lot are the, um, let's see, what do they call Are they the personal metrics? You know, when you go to input something manually and also the, my fitness pal will link to training peaks as well. So it's not just Garmin, but the MyFitnessPal is cool, especially when athletes are—they uh-huh. want to monitor their nutrition for a while. I'll have them hop on MyFitnessPal, and it syncs straight to Training Peaks, mm-hmm. and we can follow all their macros, how many calories they're putting in, how much water they're drinking. And what I love about it is that not only do I have their training, but I have their—I can have their weight and their body fat percentage, and the number of hours they sleep every night and what they've eaten all in one, one place. So that it's a specific metrics function. So if you go to like manually input your run or you just go to that particular workout, there's a separate section for enter your metrics. And it'll say, what do you weigh today? And like, what do you, what do you want? What other notes do you want to do? Another cool function that Coach Renee and I are actually starting to use is um, when we are shooting a little bit of video of our athletes, it's super easy to attach that video to that workout. And um, as a reference point, I think it would be really great to check it out a couple months from now to show an athlete, hey, look at this swim and look at where you are now. Yeah. And um, so that's something cool that we just kind of started playing around with.
0: No, I love it for the swim. I actually like it for track workouts, too, especially if you track workouts like we used to do where we worked on form quite a bit it wasn't just a bunch of speed work that video feature would be cool i think that's pretty new Uh, if it's new to me i
3: didn't realize you could do it so yeah just take a video from your phone and then you can um when you're putting in a workout just there's little you know the paperclip like add an attachment and then you just download it from Mm -hmm. your phone and it just sinks right there so training peaks is making things super easy for us Um, the annual training plans, super helpful when you're lining up all the races and trying to periodize everything.
0: Yeah. I like that feature too. I'm working, I'm actually finally working on, I'm trying to clean up my training peaks. I go through this whole spring cleaning thing. uh, It seems like once a year in training peaks with my coaching library and clean up the workouts. And now they have the feature where you can actually load level of effort by, you know, each, each individual part of the workout from warm up all the way to cool down. Yeah. I'm slowly chipping away at it. Cause I have so many of them. I you.
3: have a question about that. I think, isn't there a way that you can download that automatically to your Garmin? Like download that workout. Are you yeah. doing that? Does it work? I'm
0: doing it to trainer road. I just did a bunch of them to trainer road. Literally right before the podcast, I closed trainer road down because I wanted to have the right. computer power for this podcast. But uh, I had just, taken some training peaks power-based bike workouts and exported them to to an MRC file opened up the trainer road workout creator and just drag and dropped it in there okay. and it automatically I love that word it automatically created it the Garmin, there's a way to gar to do it on the Garmin, too um, yeah I put a link trying- I'll put a link in the show notes Jae but Avram uh, wrote an article and put it on our website for how to do this for Garmin and trainer road.
3: I'll check that out.
0: Put a link in the show notes. So everybody could check that out. I actually used it to learn how to do what I was just explaining to you. Just a second ago, that article, he puts it in, uh, he goes through the Garmin process and the trainer road process. And I think there's one other thing, but yeah, there's a way to do that.
3: Awesome. Thank you, Abram. That'll be yeah helpful for me.
0: Any other metric stuff that you think is, Important for everybody to understand, Jalene?
3: Uh, I don't want to open a can of worms here, but I really love the HRV metric. Um, yeah. I know that that can be a whole other segment, but I think it's super important, you know, especially, so working with a doctor, um, I got to do a lot and learn a lot more about HRV and and how it can really predict what's going to happen to my athletes, and so um, just by monitoring that and monitoring that number, I can tell if somebody's going to be getting sick, just or you know if maybe they're pushing a little bit too hard and we need to back them off a little bit. Um, it just this this concept of heart rate variability is so important, and I think it's going to be. I think we're going to be seeing it more and more as coaches and, and using this as a tool to help our athletes. And it is a metric on Training Peaks. There are several free apps. I know that you work with a few of them that um, that are, are helpful. Some are free and some are not. Um, there's actually one or two that will sync to Training Peaks, and I've been playing around with a few of them. Um, but
0: do you know which one those are?
3: Um, I think, I think iFleet does Sweetbeat. Sweetbeat does. However,
0: elite HRV doesn't, I don't think,
3: um, elite HRV is the one that I really like because I really like the, the aesthetics of it. Me I like the platform. It's super easy to use just the way it's designed. So I've got sweet HRV, I fleet that's I T H L E T E and elite HRV. I have them all here. Um, just because we were trying to see which one we liked better, um, but you can still take your 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 HRV reading first thing in the morning, and plug that number into your metrics on Training Peaks, and it'll start to plot that in your performance management chart. Yeah, and um, you can start to see, you know, this past two weeks my training's been kind of bogus. We'll look at your HRV. Your HRV is a lot higher. There's something, there's something going on. Maybe we've got a virus happening, you know, it's, they there more stress at work. So they're just seeing that correlation and, and using HRV. But again, I, I know it's another, I, I don't want to. ever.
0: No, I, we, we did a, we did a show on this while back and, you know, for those that don't know, it's, Heart rate variability, as Jolene mentioned, you basically put your heart rate strap on when you first get up in the morning. You don't even get out of bed. If you want to use these phone apps, you need a Bluetooth-capable heart rate strap. The Wahoo Ticker uh, or Ticker X works well. Polar's got one. I don't know if Garmin has a Bluetooth one yet. I don't know. Um, Maybe the new one is. I don't know. Um,
3: Okay, so there's one that syncs with my Garmin. But the other two I had to get the polar strap with.
0: Yeah. I'm used to, I use my Wahoo ticker and it works fine with the Elite apps. I used that app I used to sweetbeat for a little bit, but it was like I felt like I needed to be a doctor to understand it. And then I I started using Elite. Because Elite just tells you, like, it gets done doing its thing, and it just says, hey, you're beaten down or you're not beaten down. You can go after it or you can back yeah, off. Uh,
3: well, they actually, I think their words are literally, like, today would be a good day for an active recovery. Try yoga. Mm-hmm. or Yeah. Um, which is it's what we need to be. And we're not medical professionals, not all of us. And have Sesame Street in it like that for us is, is what we need to hear, you know, so we can... Get yeah.
0: The- I uh I actually had HRV um I I had to take it away from an athlete once. Really? Yeah. It was I would get, you know, I'd get a text and it would be to the effect of, "Hey, my HRV is yellow. I'm not going to train today." Oh. No, your HRV. If your HRV was red, like we can have a discussion about you not training today. Are you doing something different? But
3: i like, there's more going on than just a yellow HRV.
0: I basically said, and we didn't talk about this when we were talking about the PMC earlier, but I said, you know what? Let me, let me, I'll look at your fatigue numbers really closely on the P, on the performance management chart, and it'll tell me everything I need to know about how you're feeling and what you're doing and and let's back off the HRV every morning so you can get out of bed and not feel like you have a reason not to get the work done. Right. But generally I do like, I do like it. It's a, it's a good metric. I don't plug it into training peaks, but I probably should do that. I'm not perfect, (laughs) Jalene. (laughs)
3: <laughs> you're not too bad. I think you're doing okay.
0: All right. Uh, I can't really think of anything. I mean...
3: This was, it was just such a bare bones like, run-through of Training Peaks, but I think that yeah. that's what most people wanted as far as this goes today. Um,
0: yeah, you can get, guys, and another thing is that blog on the Training Peaks website's great. There's videos on YouTube that I myself will go out there and watch from time to time as refreshers. There's... a uh, if you really want to get nerdy with it, there's training available on their website and some of it's free and some of it, you know, you could, how you can get training peaks coach certified for 50 bucks and they give you a training class and you just take a test and boom, you're done. Mm-hmm. So there's ways to do that. So you can get what you, a lot of what you need from there. If you have a coach, ask them if you have a coach not using training Peaks, so I'm hopeful that this web, this uh, podcast will help you kind of, put a little pressure on them to use it. Cause it does, it really will help you as an athlete. The tool is really powerful. So
3: use it. I want to talk really just for five seconds about how it works. If you have a coach that uses training peaks, how does that link up to the athlete? Like, yeah, so for sure the coach just sends you a link and it connects your account to your coach's account. And so your coach has access to all of your information and will on a weekly basis plug in all of your workouts. So instead of you just getting an email, you just log into peaks. It shows up on your phone if you have the app or on your computer. And you can just see what you need to have done for the day. You do your workout. Garmin syncs to peaks, You don't even have to do anything anymore. And you just you get on with your day. So all your data from your workout shows right up on that training plan. And your coach, I mean, I, I get notifications from my athletes because I coach a lot remotely. So I know when an athlete is has finished a workout because I get a text message or an email that says so-and-so has completed. So I get it automatically. A lot of the time... If it's a bad training day or something happened, I'm on the phone texting my athlete like five seconds after they downloaded it, like after I get them. And it's, how did you see me doing, like how, I'm I'm all up in your business. I might be two times once away, but like, <laughs> it's technology, baby. Yep. So it's it's an excellent tool, especially if your coach is, um, is a little bit further away from you because it really keeps you connected and um, it really kind of keeps your coach on top of, on top of everything, it really just makes your life a lot easier. Everything's in one place, and you don't have to write down anything, and I love it.
0: Yeah, I, the notification's a great point. I actually, for me, we have three levels of coaching, and for the for the athletes, jaline that I coach that are in our middle tier, I actually pay for their premium so I can get those notifications. I do as well. Because it's valuable to me to know when they're finished with things. It's valuable to me to get a notification when they comment. Like that's especially important.
3: Have you commented back?
0: I, I have. I make
3: smart ass comments back. And then they, so there's actually a little bit of dialogue in each of their, yeah. Like, hey, that's it today. <laughs> uh,
0: Jeff, Jeff Pascal, when I first started coaching him, he would purposefully put something like you were doing, if
3: you were reading, he wanted
0: to see how I'd react, right? If I didn't react, then you're like, Oh, you are not reading it. Well, so what he didn't, what he didn't know is I, I get notified with those comments and they would show up on my phone. So the other thing I'll say is the website is not even, if you're an athlete, you almost never need to go to the website. Um, the mobile apps for both phone and tablet are amazingly good. Uh, in many ways, they're more powerful than the website and easier to navigate the phone apps are than the website is. The website's fine, but the mobile apps give you really no reason to have to get your computer out and go on the training peeps site and look and see what you're doing. Uh, so, yeah, Jolene's 100% on with the web, with the recommendation around the mobile app. So the other thing is is if you're not a Garmin person, we are Garmin people here. But if you're a Polar person or a Sunto person, most of those, I mean, all of those things will sync with Training Peaks. So don't think it's just a Garmin-specific thing. It'll take data from anywhere it'll get it. It can get it pretty much. So that's kind of all I have on Training Peaks. I kind of love it. I, I think I kind of just, just sounded, we just sounded like a couple of homers on it, but it's a super powerful tool for us, so.
3: Yeah, it's, that's everything we need it to do, and it kind of makes our life really, I don't want to say really easy, but. Definitely easier, easier than spreadsheets. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah,
0: for sure. All right, what else we got, Sista? Anything?
3: I'm I'm going climbing in Joshua Tree in California. Are you jealous?
0: I am jealous. We're going be
3: we climbing real rocks.
0: I am jealous. Anything? You've been climbing a lot. I've been climbing. It's, I climbed today. Good.
3: Yeah. Um, it's cool to see. Anna is my daughter. She's five. She is. Um, she's killing it. She loves climbing, and she's more excited to go climb real rocks. Um, she's got all of her own gear, her own harness and shoes, mm. and her uh, climbing helmet came in the, the mail today, and, um, you know, it matches her her harness. They're both orange. Of course. Yes, so she's really excited. We're going to camp there for a few days and, <clears throat> and climb.
0: Austin was way into it. when. Remember when Dick Sports used to have the wall?
3: So, no like, dick,
0: you, yeah dick sports used to have a climbing wall
3: really
0: like yeah and a legit one like
3: mm-hmm.
0: what i see you climbing like they had one that you know really? dick sports are two stories oh. and it would go all the way to the roof cool yeah and we used to he used to want to go all the time but then dick stopped doing it and he stopped doing it but he he like he was like a little monkey on that thing man mm-hmm. he just haul ass up there i was terrified of it
3: there's the kids are so good, you know, because they don't have any body weight, and Anna's just fearless, and you know she's a little spoiled. She doesn't want to do any of these auto belays anymore. She just wants me belaying for her the whole time, and um, <laughs> and I'm like, dude, I want to climb too, but it's fine.
0: Yeah, I tried it once. I can't. I can't. I don't have a big toe on the left foot, so it's really hard.
3: Oh, but like the you, escalator thing, right?
0: Yeah, you need that. You need that big toe to be able to, like. Imagine trying to climb without it. It's it was really hard. I can't you end up turning your foot and like you can't really get into all the crevices that you need to get into. So it's like one of those things that just yeah, I can can't do. Yeah. But
3: Wow, that must Hmm. that would suck. Yeah. Climbing is so fun.
0: Yeah. yeah. It's it was fun for sure. But can't be upper can't be all upper body either. You gotta use the big muscles, so
3: Oh my legs were shaking <laughs> today. It was all elvis like Elvis legs, and, and up. Uh, but <laughs> I hilarious. think it's translating really well for, for my run and for my, my swim. I've actually, I got to get in the pool a little bit more. Um, mm-hmm. I gotta get, get going with that.
0: That's where I'm going next.
3: Yeah. I'm done for the day. I actually got to go put some kids in the bath, but I'm, I have to sign off.
0: All right, go do that. Okay. Thank you. Talk to you next time, sister. All right, bye. Okay. Bye.
3: Guys,
2: I hope you
1: enjoyed the episode. It was. I really want to thank Jaleen and John for sharing their time with me and sharing the details of the race. It's a very interesting race and one that, just from hearing about it, would be super interesting to do. Although, living in Texas, I'm not sure how I'm going to get that skiing and snowshoe uh, training in, but uh, whatever. never kept me from doing crazy things before. Uh, if you guys don't mind, again, uh, head out to iTunes and rate and view the podcast Uh, Helps helps give us a bump out there. It also will kind of get the word out for us. Also, head out to Facebook and join the open and free uh, Fuel Your Fire Running and Triathlon group. That's all you have to search for. It's out there. I don't know how many people there are out there. Hundreds of people are in the group today. Love to collaborate with you out there. Uh, Hear from you. Uh, We share topics, conversations, uh, when we get deals from some of our uh, sponsors um, from the Octane team, we will share those out there with the masses. You can also learn about uh, events that we're doing like open water swims, uh, supported open water swims, run clinics, bike clinics, uh, swim clinics, strength exercises, mobility, functional movements. We do all kinds of stuff, so that's a great place to learn about those things. So the Fuel Your Fire Running and Triathlon group on Facebook is a great place to, to check that out. You can follow us on Twitter at, at USA. Uh, we are at Octane Athletics on Instagram, uh, so you can hit us up there as well. And uh, I think that's about every way you could possibly get a hold of us. So um, hit us up. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, we are... We're looking forward to having you back next time. Have a great week, and we'll holler at you real soon.